Welcome back to Mortgage Genomics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in Alberta and BC. If you are from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. This podcast is based on a weekly newsletter that I send out to mainly real estate professionals, accountants, lawyers, and other centers of influence. The newsletter is called The Mortgage Broker Playbook for Real Estate Professionals. And if you want in on the newsletter, simply send me a text or an email, and I'll put you on the newsletter list. But if you need a mortgage right now or in the near future, who gives a crap about the newsletter and connect with me immediately, text or email me right now, 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. All right, so uh, happy Friday. Today is February the 19th. And um, yeah, I'm already thinking about dinner. So that's that's the kind of day that today is uh, evolving into. Um, the days are getting longer and uh, more sunshine, and that's a, a wonderful, terrific thing. Um, anyhow, I'll start off. I got a hot lead for you here on food. If you're a savage like me, an eating savage, and um, there's never leftovers at your dinner table, I challenge you with this one. And this is with, um, you know, particularly the locations are in North Vancouver, um, UBC campus, and Strathcona, Vancouver. And uh, yeah, the place is called Taco Mio, and they have this one kit. It's like the family feast for four, $49. And you get like... 60, 60 corn tortillas. So, and then like all the fixings. Like you can pick, I think, three fillings. And they have like chicken, pork. They have this awesome um, cauliflower um, mix. It's it's delicious. Anyhow, like check them out. The one in North Van that we go to, it's like uh, Lonsdale and 13th. And um, oh yeah, it's amazing. Uh, trust me like you won't have leftovers family feast for four like they should rename it like you can you can have at least eight people feast on this thing 49 bucks like you can't beat that and then when you go pick it up or when they deliver it to you it's like it's in a box not a bag like a box a heavy duty box like you're carrying a bowling ball like you can feel all the food so if you're a big eater And you're in North Van or um, UBC or Strathcona, check this out. And this isn't like a paid advertisement or anything like that. I'm just, uh, I really appreciate food. So whenever I have a good lead like that, I'll let you know. Okay, let's move on to like, you know, other things like real estate and mortgages. Nothing really new to report here. The uh, real estate vibe is still what it is since uh, I last spoke last week about it. It's uh, crazy, insane, very competitive and uh, busy and, you know, not not as many listings as people would like at this stage and in, in, in the outlook going forward. Um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be much of the same. On the mortgage front, the bond yields, which uh, affect fixed mortgage rates, um, they inched up again. So today it's at 0.64%. So since January 29th, it's, uh, it's increased by about 14 basis points. Okay, so um, as I explained last week, and then the reason why I'm always talking about bond yields is because if, if there's a, a little pattern of upward trajectory, you can anticipate um, an increase in, in mortgage rates. So theoretically, like in real life, 
that would trigger a rise in interest rates, like right now. And the spread from bond yield to mortgage rates is typically around 150 basis points. So that means a five-year rate technically right now should be at around 2 to 2.15%. But of course it's not, right? Like it's, you know, because of the crazy printing money and all that madness going on, all the... Uh, Artificial things that are keeping money low and uh, or money in circulation and interest rates low, um, it's not. But heads up, that's that's what's going on with the bond market. So who knows? You you might see a little bump up in interest rates next week. So if you have a, a renewal or a, a refinancing that you're considering or you're purchasing a mortgage, um, yeah, stay ahead of the curve and, and maybe save you a few bucks by locking in now rather than in the coming weeks. That's it. Let's uh, let's begin and discuss this week's newsletter titled, What About Rent to Own? I think it's safe to say that every single detached home in Vancouver is priced over a million dollars. In fact, as of February 2021, the average priced single family home in Greater Vancouver shot up to 1.83 million. It's not the highest ever, but it's the third highest monthly figure um, that that's ever been recorded in Greater Vancouver. And here's the major disconnect um, of the entire real estate equation for Metro Vancouver. The the median total income of households sits at only $72,662. Okay, so the average price single family home, 1.83, the median total income of household 72,662. So you don't have to be a mortgage broker to know that this income will not qualify for a $1.83 million purchase. In fact, a $72,000 income will net you a mortgage of just under $400,000. So where do we go from here? Like knowing that the minimum down payment required to purchase a property over $1 million is 20%. The entry barrier to owning a single-family home in Vancouver is rocket sky-high. For many, unachievable. Impossible. More people actually qualify for the $1.83 million purchase than those that actually have the required down payment to fulfill the qualification. And this, in my opinion, is the bigger problem. For example, the annual income required to qualify for a $1.83 million purchase with a 20% down payment is about $220,000, which, you know, for, for many people that is astronomical. But if, if you're a high rolling husband, wife, you know, dual income or, or, you know, you're killing it with a six figure income, it, it's, it's somewhat achievable. You can qualify. But the qualification milestone is it's only realized upon your $366,000 buy-in. This is the down payment. This is where many prospective home buyers falter. This is the end of the journey for many. It's like, yeah, I qualify, but I don't have $400,000 for the down payment. So unless you come from wealth or were fortunate enough to have stepped onto Vancouver's property ladder in the early 2000s, the outlook for home ownership for, for many in Vancouver is, is quite bleak, and it's, it's a tough pill to swallow for many. But we must forge ahead. We must continue to explore and exhaust all avenues and solutions. And what we cannot do is stand still and, and, and let time pass. People will continue 
to migrate to Vancouver and demand for housing will continue to increase. We, we need to explore new ideas and concepts on how we can purchase real estate. And in the same lens, we need to tweak lending guidelines, like hopefully, accordingly. And this leads to my topic for this week's episode, What About Rent to Own? Now, the, the rent to own concept has been around for a while, but it, it's never been uh, like an off-the-shelf mainstay type of product. In, in, in my 17 years as a mortgage broker, I've only ever completed one one of them. And uh, I'm currently, I'm working on another one. It's looking like it's going to, actually, it's been approved. So it's, it's very positive. The two successful ones, so that I now have under my belt, don't make me an expert on this topic by no means. But the several others that I've experienced and that were not successful is where I can share some valuable insight on this topic. So as promising as it sounds, um, contain your excitement about it because I don't want to get your hopes too high. Um, this isn't an official product or transaction method for real estate um, to the extent that you can propose it <laughs> on the next offer you place. Um, this is just another tool or consideration to be aware of. It's kind of in the, you know, you never know, let's give it a try category. Okay, so I don't want to get you too pumped out too pumped up about it but at the same time i don't don't entirely dismiss it either you know it's uh it's something to be aware of and, and it, it could be the right fit for you okay so let's start off with uh what is a rent to own contract okay so a rent to own contract mimics a car lease structure um, in that it enables the buyer to occupy the subject property for a fixed period of time typically three to five years while making customized payments towards a specified down payment at the conclusion of the term, kind of like the balloon payment that's outstanding at the end of your car lease. The monthly payment within a rent-to-own is configured to account for the market rent obligation to the landlord uh, slash owner and simultaneously pieces off from that payment, a specified amount that is set aside for the cumulative pre-agreed upon down payment that comes due at the completion of the contract. Um, And at the completion of the rent-to-own contract, a mortgage is then, it comes into play and is then secured to close out the transaction and secure ownership to the buyer, formerly known as the tenant. Okay, so... um, Long story short, if, if you are living in a property and the market rent for that property is $1,800 per month, in a rent-to-own contract, that monthly rent um, would probably be close to maybe $2,300, $2,400 per month, depending on how long your term of the rent-to-own contract is. Okay, okay rent-to-own contracts are generally comprised of two agreements, a standard lease agreement and an option-to-purchase agreement. The lease or rental agreement, um, this is throughout the lease agreement, the title of the property remains with the landlord until the tenant exercises their option to purchase the property. Now, the option to purchase contract, this agreement grants the tenant the option or right to purchase the subject property within a specified period of time. As all contracts are unique, it is important for a tenant to be aware of the consequences if they choose Uh, to not exercise their option to purchase. So don't assume that there is a built-in refund 
clause in the agreement. Some risks and hardships associated with rent-to-own contracts. Far less banks participate in rent-to-own purchases than those that do. There is no guarantee that a rent-to-own participating bank today will remain a rent-to-own participating bank in five years. There is high potential for buyer and seller remorse, as markets may evolve throughout the term of the contract in ways both the seller or buyer didn't expect. Finding a willing seller to commit to a rent-to-own can be challenging. Typically, rent-to-owns are far more prevalent in depressed market segments and regions, but they are also present in stronger active markets. Can both parties win in a rent-to-own transaction? So firstly, from a landlord perspective, as rent-to-own contracts are typically three to five years, this could appeal to the owner-landlord as it solidifies the tenant's commitment to be on time with payments and take extra care of the home as they aspire to become owners of it. Um, The worst case scenario, in the event the tenants do not qualify for a mortgage or want to back out of the deal, the landlord has gained another five years in equity pay down and could potentially retain the entire sum that was held in trust for the down payment. Um, Of course, depending on the terms, the unique terms and conditions of the contract. As most rent-to-own transactions act independently without the services of real estate agent, sellers can avoid listing agent fees. Sellers can also benefit from the basic principle of supply and demand. In some markets and regions, the demand for rent-to-own properties can far outweigh the supply of willing landlords. A potential downside for the landlord could be the unilateral nature of the contract itself. Uh, The landlord is contractually obligated to sell the house to the tenant. However, the tenant is not contractually obligated to purchase the house. Furthermore, the landlord is bound by the agreement to not sell the house to a third party during the tenancy and option period. Okay, so now from a tenant's perspective, a good option, um, this proves to be a good option for a tenant who would like to purchase a property, but due to recent credit issues, perhaps, um, or lack of down payment resources, cannot qualify for a mortgage at present time. So that three to five year period uh, is the time involved, you know, that where let time do its things and you can repair those credit issues or or accumulate the down payment resources through the, the unique payment options that, that are presented within the contract. The option of not proceeding with the purchase could also be an appealing feature as the outcome um, it won't result in foreclosure proceedings, nor would it impact the tenant's credit history. However, the tenant could stand to lose the upfront deposit in likely all or a portion of the cumulative equity payments throughout the term, depending, of course, on the unique terms and conditions of the contract. And finally, to bring closure to this long overdue transaction comes the qualification for the mortgage. And you're thinking, okay, yeah, we've reached this point, easy peasy, right? Not really. As rent-to-own agreements are not a common method of buying or selling real estate, it never really cemented itself as an ongoing way of transacting real estate. So it's always been a niche thing, and lenders have always teetered on and off the rent-to-own bandwagon in favorably adjudicating them. But I can tell you, although there are not too many lenders that are open and willing to participate with rent-to-own transactions, there are enough that will. You just got to know who they are. 
Um, there are two that I currently know of and whom I have successfully closed a few transactions with. So here are the key guideline points to be aware of, which ultimately must be worked into the rent-to-own agreement. Make sure there is a clause in the contract that states you will receive a partial or full refund in the event you do not qualify for the mortgage. The few lenders that will consider these arrangements will likely demand this clause. Some lenders might also demand that the negotiated monthly rental fee be capped to match the accumulation for a minimum down payment, um, 5 or 10%, or in some cases 20 depending on what your criteria is to qualify for the mortgage. And they do this so as to discourage unreasonable and unsustainable monthly rent payments. All participating lenders will require bank statements provided by the seller to confirm regular deposits of the down payment portion and balance. And this is critical. This has to be done from day one. So to conclude, I'll leave you with these three very important points. Number one, do not assume that all lenders will mortgage your rent-to-own transaction because many will not. Number two, when drafting the rent-to-own agreement, begin with the end in mind. Educate yourself on the lender's qualifying guidelines and be sure that your rent-to-own agreement complies with them. And number three, call around and look for a lawyer who has experience with rent-to-own transactions to actually draft the agreement. Okay, that's all I got for today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you are in Alberta or British Columbia, as I am licensed to service these specific provinces, and especially if you are from Calgary or Vancouver, as I am very familiar with these markets. Call or text me at 604-800-9593, or you can visit my website at homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning into Mortgageonomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon.